am a perpetual traveler through the Bible. Please join me for the next part of my journey through the Scriptures. Stay as long as you like and let us together discover a bit more about the Bible. Most of the material that I have used to create the content of these podcasts has come from a series of Bible studies that I created in 2008 and 2009, more than 12 years ago. When I started to go through the material again in preparation for the Journey Through the Scriptures podcast, I was astounded by how much the world has changed. We are so much closer to the events of the book of Revelation than we were 12 years ago. Who could have imagined that we would be faced by a worldwide pandemic that would cripple the entire planet for more than a year? Who could have imagined the rise of political extremism in countries like the USA, Europe and the Middle East? Since 2008, the world has been hit with devastating hurricanes, earthquakes, floods, bushfires, heat waves and blizzards, far more than in the past. So naturally you might become frightened and anxious when you see all these things happening, especially when you see the world going mad around you. But Jesus comforts all believers in Luke 21 and encourages us to be mindful and to trust in Him. He said, See that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. We have now come to chapter 9 of Revelation which shows us the judgments of the 5th and 6th of the 7 trumpets, which were introduced in chapter 8. These two trumpets were also identified as the first and second of the three great woes that will come upon the earth that were announced by an eagle in the last verse of chapter 8. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth, at the blasts of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. These judgments of chapter 9 are real. They are terrible, terrifying disasters, but they can be seen both as literal and figurative. Remember that we are dealing now with what the Old Testament prophets called the great and terrible day of the Lord. This term is mentioned 26 times in the Old Testament mostly in the books of Zephaniah, Joel and Malachi, so it would be difficult to make such messages light-hearted or entertaining. We have to face unpleasant truths at times. You might also be having some trouble with understanding the timing of these various events of revelation. You might think that the seals and trumpets and bowls of wrath occur in sequence one after another, and not as they do occur, simultaneously. The Apostle John was given this vision of what is going to take place in the last days, but he was given it from the vantage point of heaven. So he is looking at these events from the perspective of eternity, where there is no time. In heaven, there is no sense of past or future. Everything is present, the eternal now. That is why it is so difficult to tell exactly when events occur, when they are brought into the context of time. What helped me in trying to understand the events of Revelation is to see things here not as a series of chronological events, but as degrees of intensity. 
the judgments of the seven seals take place in the seven-year period that the prophet Daniel identifies as the last days. The trumpets, however, are a return to that same seven-year period and focus on the section of the last week to give us a deeper and different perspective of judgment. This takes up chapters 8 and 9 of Revelation. When we come to the bowls of the wrath of God, we will only see a greater intensity of earth's agony, not as a series of events that take place after the seven seals and the seven trumpets. This is made even more confusing by the fact that there are certain breakaway periods which focus on the events of special interest that are occurring during this time. We have already seen one of these in chapter 7 when we read about the 144,000 Israelite missionaries, and we will find others as we proceed through this book. The best way I can explain it is if we compare the events of Revelation to a rocket launching at Cape Canaveral. The countdown proceeds normally and seems to be nearing the end, when suddenly there is a break. The countdown ceases while something is checked out or repaired, and then it resumes right where it left off. If you have ever watched the launch of one of the SpaceX rockets on television for instance, you will notice at various times during the launch, part of the picture will perhaps focus on the part of the rocket that is entering into orbit. At the same time, another part of the picture will focus on the main booster returning to Earth and landing again on the launch pad. It is all one and the same event, taking place at the same time but focusing from different viewpoints. The events of Revelation are similar to this. Let us begin by reading Revelation 9 verses 1 to 6. And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions on the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth, or any green plant, or any tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them, and their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days people will seek death, and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. This passage begins with the falling of another great star, but not into the sea this time, as we saw under the third trumpet, but this time onto the earth. This probably speaks of something literal. It is perhaps a great meteor falling from the skies. Many times in history, such meteors have fallen to earth and created havoc and chaos. But here a second star falls. Yet the text clearly indicates that this is not just a literal star, it is also symbolic. This is a different star because it says about this star that the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. This is a star like we think of a star, a movie star, an athletic star, or a music star. It symbolizes an individual who was given a key by which he opens up the gateway of hell or the abyss. When Jesus cast a legion of demons out of a man, the demons begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Here in the parallel passages of Matthew 8 verses 28 to 32, Mark 5 verses 1 to 11, and Luke 8 verses 26 to 39, the same Greek word, freyar, is used to denote the gateway into hell. 
In the account, Jesus permits the demons to enter into a herd of pigs, which immediately ran over a cliff and plunged into the sea and died. This is a strange story, but it portrays the fear demonic beings have of being cast into this great abyss. We also learn in Jude 1 verses 6 that some demons have already been incarcerated in this abyss. In this passage, in Revelation 9, a strange being opens the abyss, and out of it comes a great cloud of locusts, looking like smoke that fills the sky. Again, we are being presented with something both literal and symbolic at the same time. We all know what devastation a great plague of locusts can cause. They have the potential to destroy everything in their path, leaving the farmers with no crops at all. It is something like this that John sees when this fifth trumpet blows. Along with this literal visitation of locusts, invisible demons are also released from the very pit of hell into the earth. But who is this powerful person who is permitted to unleash the powers of hell? It does link closely with what we saw under the third trumpet when another great star fell. This star was identified as a powerful political leader who would change his policy in the midst of the weak and thus embitter many people. If that was a political leader who fell, then here, in chapter 9, we have a Jewish religious leader who abandons his religion and thus brings demonic forces upon the earth. I say that this individual is most likely Jewish because of the clues that were given to us in this passage. The demons that are released from the abyss were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God in their foreheads. As we have already seen in chapter 7, grass, trees and plants represent people, and they specifically symbolize Israel. In chapter 7, there is a certain group of them, 144,000, that were sealed by God, and who are guarded and protected from this demonic control of human thought. The other people are not allowed to be killed, but are only tormented for a period of five months. Notice verse 5. Even what these demonic forces can do is limited. They are not permitted to kill anyone. This is the one thing God will not permit. These demons cannot kill. Even here is a glimpse of God's mercy and grace, because during the five months of torment, there is still an opportunity to repent. People are going to wish they were dead, but they will not be able to die. Even here, God extends more opportunity for the remaining inhabitants of earth to repent and to believe. This is truly amazing grace. It is interesting what I learned about the period of five months that is mentioned here in verse 5. Five months is the normal lifespan of a locust. Locusts can devastate the land in minutes. Five months is also 150 days. This is the same duration the flood lasted during the time of Noah. So here, during the fifth trumpet, God is going to give them five months, or 150 days, to repent. Who is this mysterious star who releases the demon locusts from the abyss? Paul refers to this individual in his second letter to the Thessalonian church as someone who will arise in the last days and whom he calls the man of lawlessness, who sits in the temple as God and claims the worship of Israel, and of the whole earth. Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 3 to 4, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called god or object of worship, 
so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. In other words, in chapter 9 of Revelation, this is the Antichrist of the last days. This individual's lies and propaganda are described for us as a scorpion's sting. That will be the effect of these words upon those who believe him. It will be like a scorpion's sting, producing great agony of mind and heart. This is the same horrible torment that affects people's minds who get involved in the occult and unknowingly allow demonic forces into their lives. If we move into verse 7 to 11, we will find some metaphorical language that describes the delusion and lies that this leader will unleash upon the world and its effect on human minds. These are given, of course, in symbols, as is much of the book of Revelation, and these are not difficult to interpret. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like woman's hair and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as a king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. Crowns of gold symbolize something with authority. As people hear the words and claims of this charismatic leader, he seems to have great authority and power as a crowned king. Human faces symbolize intelligence. The words will appear reasonable and will seem intelligent and will appeal to the mind. Woman's hair describes something which is seductive and attractive. Many will believe the propaganda because it appeals to their lusts and desires. Lion's teeth are something that pierce and holds its victim cruelly. That is what happens to those who follow this propaganda and succumb to its delusion. They find it pierces their minds and renders them powerless to resist. Iron breastplates speak of a hardness of heart. The demonic powers will be heartless, without mercy. These demonic beings will come with the sound of many chariots rushing into battle, like the powerful hypnotic sounds of the music in the rock concert that sweeps its audience into a mindless frenzy. There will be tremendous peer pressure to believe this teaching. It seems irresistible, overpowering, and addictive. The stings in the tales speak of the terrible consequences and the mental torment that follows this awful teaching. This is all under the leadership of an invisible demonic king from the abyss. This, of course, is Satan. We are given a clue in the Hebrew and Greek names of this king. In Hebrew, Abaddon means destruction, and Apollyon in Greek means destroyer. Today, we are still amazed that anyone would believe the things that Adolf Hitler said during the reign of the Nazis in Germany. We wonder how the whole nation could have been carried away by the strange teachings of a deluded and demented man. This lesson from history should give us a glimmer of what is coming. Even now, we are seeing much of the same thing in the delusions of what is called the New Age movement, Islam, Scientology, and QAnon. Only by God's grace have these powers been greatly limited in our day. But there is something far worse coming, something that will be permitted widespread influence over the earth. The devastating destruction that is depicted here is unthinkable and frightening. But this is what awaits any man who rejects Christ. You might be thinking at this very minute, why would men do this? Why would they go through this and still continue to reject? The answer is clear. Jesus says in John 3 verses 19 that this is the judgment 
the light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works are evil. Mankind loves their sin, even to the death. God takes no pleasure in seeing his creation go through such wrath. God loves us and desires everyone to escape, so therefore he warns us through his word as to what is coming so that we can escape. He has made a way of escape through his son Jesus Christ, who took upon himself God's wrath that was due to each one of us. In order to escape God's wrath, we need to cast ourselves completely upon Jesus Christ and receive him today as our personal Lord and Savior. As Hebrews 2 verses 3 reminds us, Since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This is David Wiles, your fellow traveling Christ, and this has been the Journey Through the Scriptures podcast. Episode 36